This content may not be suitable for all listeners. Viewer discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome back to Shockingly Wicked, a true crime podcast where we bring you true crime cases from the headlines to the hometowns. I'm Brianna. I'm a paperclip. Paperclip? Is your name Clippy? Are you <laughs> the annoying Microsoft Word assistant from the 90s? No. Well, I'm a paperclip. No, I'm just kidding. My name is Brittany. Hi. <laughs> and we are your hosts for the evening. Man, it feels good to be back in the swing of like podcast stuff. Like I know. I enjoyed I enjoyed the break. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the break, but uh I don't know. There's something about like having the routine of recording that was nice. What do you think? Tomorrow's my birthday. <laughs> oh. Well, happy early birthday. I mean, I already I knew that. I don't know why I'm acting surprised. <laughs> I know. I was like, God, what a fake friend. No, I knew. I <sighs> Listen, <laughs> no, I, I knew it was your birthday. So happy early birthday. By the time that this airs, it's already going to be passed. Like, it's probably going to be like a month later. When you but guys listen to it, I'll officially be 23. But today is Taylor Swift's birthday. So celebrate accordingly. <laughs> so uh, today we are doing a, what is a, a, I guess, a pretty rough case from what Britt has told me. I don't know a whole lot of information about it. So this is going to be all new for me. This is, I'm going to be talking about James Bird Jr. This is a rough case, so if you don't want to listen to it or totally understand, uh, we're going to talk about some rough topics. Um, It's basically like a modern day lynching, so if you don't want to hear about it, you can skip. It's fine. So this is definitely going to be difficult to hear. For those of you who don't know, my dad is black. I am mixed. My mom is white. I don't think I've fully mentioned that before. I know I've mentioned it maybe like in passing, but so race related stuff is always a little iffy for me. So um, I'm going to let Britt take it away. So we're talking about James Bird Jr. So he was born on May 2nd in 1949 in Beaumont, Texas. So he Beaumont. was the third... Beaumont, sorry. (laughs) Beaumont, Texas. He was the third out of eight kids. That's a lot of kids. It Um, is, but that's not too surprising. Not in 1949. Yeah, my um, my dad's great-grandmother, I think, had 12 kids. And I was like, "Mm -hmm." I thought you were about to say your dad had 12 siblings. I was like, God, that's so many. He was one half-sibling and then three other siblings. So that's not as bad. Okay, so he was the third oldest out of eight kids, and his parents were Stella and James Bird Sr. So I'm going to call James Bird Jr. James Jr. for the rest of this, just in case. So Stella and James Sr. were, uh, they raised their family in a town called Jasper. It was located in East Texas, and it's a a small community, like, during that time. And there was, like, 8,000 the population was like 8,000, I think. So Stella worked as a Sunday school teacher while James Sr. was a deacon at the Greater New Bethel Baptist Church. And that's actually still a church. I found it. Oh. I found their Facebook uh, page. Uh, <laughs> Modernization. We love to mm-hmm. see it. Okay. So James Jr., he was actively involved in the church. He would sing in the church choir and play the piano during service. In 1967, James Jr. graduated from Jasper Row High School as part of the last segregated class in its history. 
So I thought that was pretty, it was a good fact. <laughs> it's not a good fact, but it, it was a fact. No, I, I know what you meant. <laughs> um, so he had, he was like super smart. Everybody said, and I watched this documentary called uh, uh, James Bird Jr. Or The Life and Death of James Bird Jr. It was a really good documentary, but I had to find, watch it on YouTube. If anybody who wants to watch it, it's on YouTube. Mm-hmm. But um, so everybody that talked about him said he had an excellent academic record. And even though his parents encouraged him to go to college, like his older, his two older sisters, he decided to stay home in Jasper. And then he ended up marrying this woman. I don't want to say her name uh, just because they're not they weren't married at the time of his death. So I don't really feel not that it's not important. I just don't want to put her name out there. if She doesn't want it. But he ended up marrying a woman. He married her a few years after he graduated high school. And then he had three children. So two girls and one boy. So uh, Renee Bird, Ross Bird and Jamie Bird. Those are cute names. I know. And Jamie was uh, his youngest daughter, and I thought that was so cute. She they named her they named her after her dad, and I was like, Aw. Anyways, oh. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, because really Ross is his son. Mm-hmm. So he would work sporadically as a vacuum salesman, and oh my god, I had a vacuum salesman come to my house one time, and they um, vacuumed the dust mites off my bed. I'm <laughs> it was when That's I was a, a kid, not now. Okay, I mean, uh, that's quite a sales pitch. <laughs> like, hey, let and me. My mom, okay, so this is not smart on my mom's part, but it was like three kids and her alone. She just let this friend the man vacuum the bed. Yeah. Like, all right. <laughs> okay. It's not smart. Don't do that, guys. Um, But he would go Stranger door danger. to door and sell vacuum. I wonder if he was selling Kirby. Was Kirby a thing back then? Mm. Okay, well, anyways. <laughs> He struggled with an alcohol addiction, so he was an alcoholic. But between 1969 and 1996, uh, he was incarcerated several times for, like, various small offenses, theft, forgery, and then, like, violation of parole. But by 1993, Bird and his wife had divorced, and then he returned home in Jasper in 96. And when he returned home to Jasper, he, like, decided he wanted to turn his life around. So he made the first step in doing that, and he actually joined alcoholic non alcoholics anonymous um good for him i know i it's it takes somebody like it's a really strong thing to do to like want to better yourself and to like Mm -hmm. take that first step into doing something to better yourself but for anybody who doesn't know what alcoholics anonymous is it's an international fellowship requiring no monthly fees or dues so it's completely free to join and it's dedicated to help alcohol alcoholics peer-to-peer and sobriety sobriety through its spiritually inclined 12 steps program so i'm sure everybody knows what it is but just in case you don't so he was a generally well-liked person in jasper and he was like frequently seen walking around uh because he didn't own a car i read it was because of a disability but i don't know what that disability was so he just didn't own a car so he walked so just Mm. know that guys okay so let's talk about three men so the first one is sean allen barry and so at the time of the um murder he was 23 and he was born on february 12th in 1975 then there was lawrence brewer who was the oldest out of the trio he was 31 at the time of the murder and he was born on march 13th 1967 um he was a well-known white supremacist in jasper And prior to the murder of James Jr., he had several prison sentences for drug possession and burglary. 
and he was paroled in 91, but he violated his parole conditions in 94 and was returned back to prison. And according to his court testimony, he met John King, which is the third guy in the trio, while they were in prison. And they both joined a white supremacy gang, which I think was the Aryan Brotherhood, to safeguard themselves from other inmates in the Beto prison unit. I don't know how true that is. But then there's John King. He was also 23 at the time of the murder. And he was born on November 3rd, 1974. So all of these men are very, a lot younger. Because James, at the time of his death, was 49. So they they are well younger. Like, way younger than him. But prior to his murder, he had recently just been released from a Texas prison. And while inside the prison, he uh, reportedly claimed he was gang raped by all black inmates. Wait, are you talking? Is is that John King who was who was? Yeah, or? John King. Okay. Um, the, him and Lawrence were both in the same prison. Okay. Unit, the Beto unit. But uh, John King said that he was. He claimed that he was um, gang raped by black inmates. I don't know how true that is. That's just what he claimed. But. Sean Barry, Lawrence Brewer, and John King, they all spent time in prison. I couldn't really find what Sean Barry had. I think it was just like a small, like a a misdemeanor charge. I don't know. Do you go to jail for misdemeanor charges? Not usually. Usually it's like a fine. Okay, well then a small criminal charge. It probably just depends on the misdemeanor. You might serve like a short stint. Who knows? Well, anyway, so they all served time in prison. Um... (laughs) And King, okay, so John King had reportedly grown up in a normal loving home in Jasper, Texas. And his his friends and family claimed that he had been changed by the stint in the George Beto unit in prison, which is the the unit he got gang raped in, or supposedly got gang raped in, which was, uh, it was a maximum security prison, but he was there for a theft charge. But he and Lawrence Brewer both were notoriously covered in racist tattoos, including the KKK symbols, a swastika, and a visual depiction of a lynching when a black man was hanging from a tree. And he would—he was reported numerous times telling people, see my little N-word hanging from a tree. So, you know, it just tells you what kind of person he is. Clearly delightful. Clearly. He started a group, and he was the leader of a clan group. And I don't know if it... So, it said with the K, so I don't know if it was, like, part of the KKK, or if it was just, like, a, another it, group. Yeah, I, I think it's... Um... It, I don't know 100%, but if it started with a K, then it probably is associated with it at least. Well, they least. said, like, clan with a K, so that's why I was like, oh. Yeah. But it was, uh, the group was called the Confederate Knights of America, the Rebel Soldier Division. Which, I mean, A plus for the name guy. <laughs> doing You're doing name. Clearly doing the Lord's work according Clearly. to their... So, Sean Barry and John King had known each other from high school, and they they had remained close. They were friends. Once they left school, Sean actually dropped out because he was a loser, and I put that in my notes. Sean, uh, John, <laughs> not Sean. John King dropped out of school because he's a loser. Yeah. So... I, I was about to say, wait a minute, I thought one of them was older, but no, that was, that's the other guy. Lawrence. Lawrence is yeah. older. Just weeks before James Jr. was murdered, Lawrence Brewer had moved to Jasper, Texas upon his release from prison and into John King's apartment. So they shared an apartment, which is like, okay, buddy. Birds of a fl- feather flock together. Because mm-hmm. they're both losers. Yeah. Um. So while Brewer and King were in prison, they both got racist tattoos like i mentioned before 
So it was reported in John King's apartment that he had the White Supremacist Manifesto, the Turner Diaries, and other similar literature, which further indicated his connection with the white supremacist groups. And I didn't know what the Turner Diaries was, so I'm going to tell you guys just in case you don't know. But it's a 1978 novel uh, by William Luther Pierce, but it was he published it under a, a persuade, how do you say pseudonym. It? A pseudonym, <laughs> Andrew McDonald, and it depicts a violent revolution in the United States, which leads to the overthrow of the federal government, a nuclear bleh, a nuclear war, and ultimately a race war, which leads to the systematic extermination of all non-whites. So blacks, Asians, literally Latinos, yeah, that's, anybody yeah. that's not white. So, I mean, Hitler, am I right? Yeah, the, the problem is that this kind of mindset wasn't just strictly hitler and that's clear by the fact that these guys like this was recent this was Uh, like i mean it's not recent no it was within like 50 years it's more recent than oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. i was like wait this didn't happen yesterday this happened no i mean not that the 90s aren't recent but no it's just like it's i think a lot of people are under the impression that like racism ended when the civil rights movement ended it's like no (laughs) the people who were alive during the civil rights movement are still alive today like it did not happen that long ago so you still have mindsets being passed down into like their grandkids or into their kids and stuff like that doesn't just go away so the i think it's just them because their family like met with bird's family and there were cordial so i that's, i don't think their family passed it down i think they're just assholes that's so weird though usually that's like a, a something that you like your family kind of instills in you i think being in prison because i mean I, I don't know how true 60 days in but like a lot of it's gang related mm-hmm. and like they're like you got to stick with your color i don't know i've never been in prison so don't no, take it's... this for a grain of salt but i'm sure that had a lot to do with it yeah but like I don't know. I guess I just don't understand how somebody could be radicalized like that quickly, I guess. But I mean, if they spent like a good chunk of 10 years. Well, I'm sure they spent a good time in prison. Yeah, it definitely and sounds like it. And they kept like going back. Because plus they're stand-up maximum, individuals. Yeah, I was about to say, plus it's like a maximum security prison and they joined the the yeah group anyways his family said that james jr would like tell everyone that he was going to be famous one day for his singing voice and that he would put jasper texas on the map i thought that was so cute that is really cute in the early morning of june 7th in 98 oh my god that was the year i was born i just i just thought about that so james jr was leaving an anniversary party that was at his like parents house um it says friends but like his his friends and family were there but it was across town from his apartment and he asked his friend to take him home but i his friend said he couldn't but i think it was because his friend was drunk so bird decided to walk home because he didn't own a car because of his disability so i mean that and that wasn't like not normal he walked everywhere mm-hmm. But as he was walking home that Saturday morning, he was approached by a gray pickup truck who offered him a ride. And he accepted a ride from the three allegedly drunk men who had happened who happened to be Sean Barry, Lawrence Brewer, and John King. I'm gonna give a trigger warning because it's about to get real rough. So if you guys want to skip like 15 minutes ahead, you're more than welcome to do so. But like trigger warning. R.I.P. me, because I can't skip. 
<laughs> so James Jr. had recognized Sean Barry from around town, um, and he accepted the ride. So the three of them had spent most of the night, the three of them uh, being Lawrence, John, and Sean, um, had spent most of the night drinking and driving around Jasper looking to pick up young girls. So not only are they racist and assholes, but they're also pedophiles. How do people like this think that they are superior to anybody else when they are literal garbage underneath of my boot? <laughs> like, you are the worst kind of person, and you think that you're better than other people because you're white? Like, who are you? <laughs> A witness reports watching James Jr. jump in the back of the truck bed between 2.30 a.m. and 2.45 a.m. So this happens, like, in the middle of the night. But instead of taking James Jr. home, the three men drove the 49-year-old. So he was 49 at the time he died. But to a deserted area in the woods so they are like oh hanging out they offered uh james a drink he accepts it brewer and king set upon bird with a baseball bat so they beat him with the baseball bat they spray painted his face with black spray paint and urinated on him and taunted him i'm sure calling him racist slurs they then stole his clothes and to inflict more pain they made him pull down his pants so that he was completely naked that's when they wrapped chain around his ankles and drug his body behind the gray pickup truck for over three miles so the truck started off traveling down a dirt trail and quickly turned into the asphalt road um and it was going down a road called huff creek road which is 10 miles from bird's apartment so they went the opposite direction of this man's apartment they weren't ever going to take him home so james managed to stay conscious while being dragged until his head and right arm were severed by a cement culvert and his body hit the edge of the culvert causing it to sever his right arm shoulder neck and head and his his body had apparently bounced into a ditch because a culvert is a structure that channels water past an obstacle or to like a channel of subterranean waterway uh it's typically embedded like you see it when you you're going down the road it's like in 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 the roadside ditch that's that's what it is um but it's usually made um uh, reinforced by like concrete but his body had apparently bounced into a ditch on the right side of the road and then hit the ragged edge of the culvert just below his right arm which severed it from his body the murderers then, for, for another mile or so before stopping, they ended up dumping his mutilated body. And then, like, it was mutilated. They had to go back and pick up body parts. But they dumped it in front of a black church. Uh, and after this, they headed towards a barbecue. So, yeah. The next morning, Bird would be found by the churchgoers on their way to attend Sunday service. And let me just tell you, the Sunday service was probably didn't happen. Yeah, I would imagine not. Like, if people stumble upon this dead body, not just any dead body, but one whose arm and head have been severed, like, Jesus Christ. Okay, so nobody knows for sure how long James was alive during the dragging, but forensic evidence suggested that Bird had been attempting to keep his head up, and an autopsy suggested that Bird was alive for most of the dragging and had died once he hit the culvert. So after police discovered James's body, they searched the surrounding areas and recovered a wrench that had the name Barry on it. So I mean, if that's not a telltale sign, who did it? They found Bird's personal items scattered along the dirt trail and pavement. Texas state law enforcement officials and the district attorney determined that since King and Brewer were well-known white supremacists that the crime would qualify as a hate crime. They arrested them, like, within eight hours of finding his body. So they acted well, good. very fast, because, like, the trial happened, like, 
just a couple months after like I think the trial happened September that year and he was murdered in uh, June so wow. they they were pretty they were really fast with that one they were very fast with it which I will applaud because you usually don't see that with a lot of crimes yeah. any crime really it happened in that past mm-hmm. so police could tell there had been a fight at the clearing in the woods because they were able to like it was a trail they could like see where it pinpointed like where it started at but the grass had been upturned uh there was disturbed dirt and broken and a broken beer bottle so they think like he was hit in the head with the baseball bat and then like a broken beer bottle which all of this was signs consistent with a struggle and police also found like several items that could have fallen out of the truck while someone was be- like while someone was being pulled out they also found like James's hat, uh, his baseball jersey, his dentures, all of that in the road. So I mean, so the trial took place a couple months after the death of James Bird, Jr. So during the trial, the KKK held a rally in front of the courthouse. There was 18 Klansmen, uh, Klansmen participated in what was allocated as a peaceful rally to protest the killing of James Bird, Jr. But I think they the the documentary I was talking about before the KK rally began members of the new black Panther party were protesting the death of James Bird Jr. So I think it was really just like, I don't know. I said they just came out cause the black Panthers were, out. I don't know. They didn't really yeah. go into it, but the black Panthers were out because they were walking the streets, chanting and warning of violence. If there was a problem for blacks, they were also offering like for the next like five weeks, um, mm-hmm. self-defense classes. So, okay. I was like, there was a point for them to be out there. I couldn't remember it. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of rough because I'm going to talk about the autopsy. So if you want to skip ahead, you can do so. Uh, But Dr. Tommy Brown, uh, a forensic pathologist who carried out the autopsy of James Bird Jr. testified about the extent of his injuries. Almost all of Bird's front ribs had been broken. Most of his body was covered in massive brush burn abrasions, which is consistent with being dragged on asphalt. His testicles were missing. Uh, They weren't sure if that was intentional or if it happened during the dragging, but gravel Mm -hmm. was found in his scrotal sack. The knees, feet, and buttocks were worn down. Flesh on his left cheek was gone, exposing the jawbone. Toes were missing, and and muscle was exposed on both legs. There are no injuries to James' head or skull, which Dr. Brown concluded to the court that Bird was conscious and holding his head up until the culvert killed him. Moreover, the formation of some of Bird's wounds left Dr. Brown to conclude that he had been moving deliberately to, during the dragging to relieve some pain. So during the trial, Sean Barry claimed that Lawrence Brewer and John King were almost entirely responsible for James' death. Brewer, however, testified that Barry had slit James's throat before tying him to the truck, but the evidence did not support this claim and the jury didn't buy it. So basically, Sean was saying that he was just the driver, um, mm-hmm. and Brewer, You're still an accomplice. <laughs> yeah, but Brewer and King were the ones that did most of it, and Brewer and King were saying that they weren't there at all, and that Barry was the one who did it, which I'm about to go into. And we'll get right to that after a quick word about our sponsors. We'll get right to that after a quick word about our sponsors. Barry would later testify that he had stopped and given Bird a ride. 
And he stated they all agreed that none of them actually knew who Bird was, but they just saw him as somebody who frequently walked around Jasper. So basically the 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 killing was or the murder was just a crime of opportunity. I mean, yeah. It was I mean, it was obviously like because he was black, but it yeah. wasn't because they knew him or who he was. They just saw him mm-hmm. walking down the street. So as a result of this, Barry was spared the death penalty and he was sentenced to life in prison. A few months after the murder of James Brewer, King and Barry were all convicted of capital murder. Brewer and King are the only two that was given the death penalty. But as of 2020, Mm -hmm. Sean Barry was living in protective custody at the Texas Department of Criminal Justice in the Ramsey unit. He will first be eligible for parole when he is 63 years old in June 2038. I doubt he'll get parole, but he is eligible in June 2038. He spends... 23 hours a day in a cell with one hour for exercise. So a psychiatrist testified that Lawrence Brewer did not appear penitent for his crimes. Lawrence Brewer was, yeah, I know. Lawrence Brewer was sentenced to death and was on death row at the Polinsky unit, but was executed in the Huntsville unit. And I couldn't find a lot about like his upbringing or anything. So I don't know. I don't know if there's like a psychological problem. So I could really only find about John King. But anyways, the day before his execution, Brewer expressed no remorse for his crimes, as he told, um, and it's a radio station, but it's called KHOU2, the news. As far as any regrets, no, I have no regrets. No, I do it all over again to tell you the truth. Okay, so this is, it's not funny, but it's ridiculous. But the same day he told the news station that, He gets to order his last meal because it's the day before his execution. He ordered a last meal that prompted the end of the last meal request in Texas. The meal included two chicken fried steaks with gravy and sliced onions, a triple patty bacon cheeseburger, a cheese omelet with ground beef, tomatoes, onions, bell peppers, and jalapenos, a bowl of fried okra with ketchup, one pound of barbecue meat with half loaf of white bread, three fully loaded fajitas, a meat lover's pizza, one pint of bluebell ice, vanilla ice cream, a slab of peanut butter fudge with crushed peanuts on top, and three root beers. Why would you eat fried okra with ketchup? That's what, <laughs> I don't know. But that's when, what I got from that. Like, but that's, how listen, you, that's how you know he's white. <laughs> uh, when the meal was presented to him, he told the officers that he wasn't hungry. And as a result, he didn't eat any of it. And they had to throw it away. <laughs> so he did that just to be a dick. He is the worst kind of person. Like, So the meal was thrown out, prompting the state senator at the, uh, the then state senator, John Whitmire, to ask Texas prison officials to end the 87-year-old tradition of giving lost meals to condemned inmates. The prison agency's executive director responded by stating that the practice had been terminated effective immediately. I could care less if uh, people on death row get last meals. I really don't agree with it, but, like, whatever. Like, I get it in principle, because technically even prisoners, like, you're not supposed to torture them. But at the same time, you no, people but like, like this. they can eat their regular lunch they get. You think they gave any of their victims a last meal request? No. And they don't have a limit, as you can see. They can order whatever they want. I mean, there should be a limit. That's what I'm saying. Like, obviously, they don't have... Well, not Texas, because they don't do it anymore. But, like, any state that does the last meal request, there's no limit. They can order whatever they want. It's their last meal. But do you think they give any of their victims a last meal? No. I don't like the last meal. I think it should be suspended. But that's just my personal uh, opinion. Please don't 
cancel me for that. So that's the end of um, Lawrence. Okay, so John King was accused in court of beating Bird with a baseball bat and then dragging him behind the pickup truck until his death. So they tried to pin it on John King. Nobody really knew who was driving that night. I think it was Barry, but I don't think it was confirmed anywhere. But King mm-hmm. maintained his innocence during trial, claiming that Barry had dropped him and Brewer off at their shared apartment before the murder even happened. A jail note, which kind of like fucked him up, was a jail note wrote from King John to Brewer while they're in custody was presented to the jury. It stated he did not think his clothes had blood on them, but his sandals might have had a dark brown substance on them. And at the end of it said, Seriously, though, bro, regardless of the outcome of this, we have made history and shall die proudly remembered if need be. Much are in love, respect, and honor my brother in arms. So anyways, prosecutors said Brewer and King were bent on starting a racist organization in Jasper and intended the killing of Bird as a signal that the organization was up and running. There is no, like, proof of this, so I don't. I don't fucking know. But he was obviously found guilty of his role in the murder and sentenced to death. He was on death row at the Polinsky unit, same as um, Brewer. Uh, Why would you put them in the same unit? (laughs) Well, they're not in the same... Well, they are in the same unit, but they're... I think when you're in death row, you're in protective custody. Not protective custody, but you're by yourself, so I don't think it matters. But I don't know. Okay, so on December 21st, 2018, King's execution by lethal injection was scheduled for April 24th, 2019. And in a last minute appeal, King's attorney argued that a recent U.S. Supreme Court ruling entitled his client to a new trial because the original lawyers did not assert his claim of innocence to the jury despite King's insistence. The Texas Court of Criminal Appeals narrowly rejected this appeal in a five to four ruling. And then the U.S. Supreme Court ruled against stopping of King's execution about 30 minutes after it was scheduled to begin. So he, like, that was close, but, like, yeah. he's dead. Yeah. Spoiler alert, he's dead. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I could have figured that out. <laughs> after this ruling, King was taken from his holding cell, placed on a gurney in the death chamber, and hooked to an IV. He had no personal witnesses at his ex- execution and spoke no final words. So nobody, like, came to see him die for, for him. Good. He did, however, provide a written statement that stated, Capital punishment. Then without the capital, get the punishment. I don't fucking get that, like, at Bro. all. Wait, is he trying to be deep? Is he, is he in his 2014 Tumblr face? <laughs> <laughs> to me, it just sounds like he's trying to be like, oh, these these government pigs, you know? Like, yeah, the government's stupid. I get it. But, like, you murdered a man. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Viciously, dude. He then was injected with a lethal dose of... Pentobarbital. I thought it was barbitual. There okay, are barbiturates, but it's okay, it's pentobarbital. Okay, so pentobarbital and <laughs> pronounced dead 12 minutes later. So, <clears throat> pentobarbital is a barbiturate that slows the activity of your brain and nervous system. So, it's basically an anxiety medicine. They just gave him a lethal dose of it, mm-hmm. which is uh, very peaceful because you go to sleep. This is a quote from Bird's sister, he wanted to find a way to not die, but he did not give James that chance. He's still getting off easy because your body's not going to be flying behind a pickup truck being pulled apart. And that was her speaking on King's execution. So Brewer was executed by the state of Texas on September 21st, 2011, marking the very first time in Texas history that a white person received the death sentence for killing a black person. On in April 2011. Yeah. Keep that in mind. 2011. <laughs> 
On April 24, 2019, King was executed by the state of Texas for the murder of James Jr. Okay, so this is the aftermath. So, obviously, Jasper is a small town. For Jasper, the reaction to Bird's death uh, at first tended to divide along racial lines. Usually, that's how it goes. And the media coverage was not making it any better. They were pinning one side against the other. You know how the media is. When defendants were found guilty and sentenced, the media coverage left. But they had done this... They had made Jasper look like it was a hateful place and it was unsafe and unfriendly and it was racist. So Jasper was left to like pick up the pieces because I mean, it, it was just everything I read described it as like a small town in mm-hmm. Texas and it was and I, th- I think it doesn't peaceful. Yeah. And it I doesn't I think... help that it's such a vicious murder and it yeah. is based on race purely. Yeah, and I think, too, another thing is is people have this general idea about the South in general, but especially yeah. small towns in the South, Yeah, that they're generally hateful, racist. racist. Yeah. yeah. And, like, that's mean, true of some places, but not every place. Yeah. Like, I mean, so, uh, you know, Jasper is this small community, and it's left to pick up the pieces. The media is... Uh, and it's a nationwide case. Like, this case was across the nation. So the entire nation now thinks the small town in Texas is hateful, it's racist, it's unfriendly, nobody needs to go visit there, so they're left picking up these pieces. So, you know, they're battling that. Now the town's battling this outside perception that Jasper is an unsafe and unfriendly place. So the news of birds, and it's called, you know, modern-day lynching is essentially mm-hmm. what his murder was, but the news of birds lynching by dragging quickly spread came nationwide news so on the day of his funeral which was held at the family church it was overflowing with like 200 mourners including jesse jackson al sharpton and the naacp president koesi mufume i probably butchered that i i actually don't know i wasn't even gonna attempt yeah (laughs) which left so there's 200 mourners inside leaving over 600 mourners outside so like it's it's a lot of people Basketball star Dennis Rodman paid for all the funeral expenses, and fight promoter Don King donated over $100,000 to support Bird's family, which I think is so nice. I love yeah, when that's people r- do that, yeah, especially like famous people. Yeah, because it's like funeral expenses. Like funerals are not cheap. Like even when coffins, you get cremated, just like yeah. a, an urn is like it's a couple thousand dollars, two thousand, three thousand. Yeah, like it's it's not cheap, and so Mm-mm. to have to deal with that on top of like mourning. having your family. Well, <laughs> it's one thing when not to take the pain away, but it's one thing like when you expect somebody to die, like of old yeah. age, or if they're sick, you've mentally prepared, mm-hmm. so you have time to get it ready. But like a forty-nine-year-old man who was murdered, do you know like yeah. how sudden that is? People don't have life insurance policy. I mean, I'm sure they do, but nobody mm-hmm. expects to wake up and have your family member murdered and now you're dealt with funeral expenses he's leaving behind three kids mm-hmm. yeah it's um, it's just tough. a lot to deal with on top of that so i i do love when people do that when they help yeah. cover funeral expenses and all that because it's that's one thing the family shouldn't have to worry about so soon after james bird jr had been buried his grave was vandalized so a fence was built around it to protect it. And I think the fence is still up. But I think it – I mean, I know why it was. But, like, when you see it, I think it kind of adds to it. It's not pretty because it's a grave. But what the fuck is wrong with people? Yeah, but like, you see that all the time. What's that one – there was one case. Um, it, it was oh, the Junko um, case. No. Well, yeah. But um, the lady Charles Manson murdered – or not Charles oh. Manson. 
they like brutally vandalized hers and they like yeah. repeatedly had to fix it. I forgot her name. Sharon Tate. Yeah. Sharon Tate. Yeah. And then like, like in the Juco case, it. like the, the mother of one of the murderers like vandalized Juco's grave. It's like, why are you? Why? What? Like what is bitter? wrong with you? They're dead. They were murdered by this. Like That's what I'm saying. What? They're dead. Like, like, come on now. Okay, so Ross Bird, he's the only son of James Bird Jr. And he's a staunch anti-death penalty advocate. And he, like, went to a lot of, like, rallies during this time. But he publicly protested Brewer and King's execution, which I think shows how big of a person he is. Yeah, because it's like there are a lot of people who say they're against something unless it's people they don't like. So the mm-hmm. fact that he's stuck and maintained that same mentality mm-hmm. throughout, then yeah. Because they said at the time of like the uh, the trial, he wasn't allowed in the courtroom. I don't know if it was because he was too young or what it mm-hmm. was, but he wasn't allowed in the courtroom, so he wasn't allowed to speak. But he is like from, you know, Brewer's death, even after Brewer said... I'm not sorry that I killed him. I'd still do it. He's still like, no, life in prison's fine. Like, you yeah. don't have to do it. And like, Shows I get how that. big of a person he is. I get that to a degree because I am also personally not for the death penalty because of various reasons. But with people like this who clearly don't show any remorse for what they did, having them rot for the rest of their lives in prison, like, they're not going to have a change of heart and then suddenly feel bad for what they did like they're I mean, not gonna sit there yeah. and suffer <laughs> like i mean i'm not like like i'm not an advocate for the death penalty, no i know you, but like you, I, you said like case by case yeah and i guess case by case but i mean like case by case yeah. like you know but i mean these people deserve to die <laughs> yeah they're not great people so like I get where his stance is coming from, but at the same yeah. time, it's like, it's, yeah, they can't hurt your father anymore, but they did hurt him really, really badly. And they should be punished for that. You can't fight murder. Uh, so this is Rod, Ross Birch telling uh, a news station. You can't fight murder with murder. Life in prison would have been just fine. I know he can't hurt my daddy anymore. I wish the state would take into consideration what we want. I hope they will stand back and look at it before they go down the road of hate. Like Gandhi said, an eye for an eye will leave the whole world blind. Which, by the way, that is my favorite quote. I have that saved on my phone. I, for some reason, that's been my favorite quote. I like the quote. Since but- I watched Law and Order. <laughs> and uh alex said it do you remember the episode i out? probably i like the episode. quote but gandhi was also not a gandhi was person. a dick yeah so i'm like I fucking hate gandhi but i like do, that quote yeah it's like please Do don't really come want to be taking advice from gandhi to be fair when this is being said this was in 2011 nobody really yeah. knew how big of a douchebag gandhi was i guess <laughs> he's still like with a lot okay yeah he has he has no time Okay, so Ross Bird told reporters this the night before Brewer's execution. So Martin Luther King's family and the Bird family, like, joined forces during this time uh, of a healing to call for peace. Because all the Bird family, they didn't want protests. They didn't want their rallies. All they wanted was for, like, love, peace, and harmony. They just wanted to be able to, like, mourn and, like, move past it, heal from it. That's all they wanted. So Ross Bird actually went to visit Sean Ferry in prison with the support of Martin Luther King III, which is Martin Luther King Jr.'s son. He wanted to visit Barry to ask, like, what happened and to hear it to come from his mouth. Ross ultimately wanted closure so he could, like, 
move forward and put his father's murder behind him. Obviously, he's not going to be able to, like, forget about it, but he wants to be able to, like, move on. Well, like, especially because um, you said that he wasn't allowed in the courtroom, so he probably didn't hear what was said during the trial at all. Well, that, and I think he wanted to be able to sit down face-to-face with him, have a conversation. Why did you do this? Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I think it was really cool that Martin Luther King's uh, son joined forces with him because, you know, Mm -hmm. they both lost their dad. Yeah. While Ross Bird and Martin Luther King III were inside the prison, Renee Bird, which is uh, Ross's sister, sat outside talking to Lewis Berry, which is Sean's brother. Lewis was like, I don't fucking know why my brother did. You know what I'm saying? But he was like out there talking and he's like, everywhere I go, people are like associating me with my brother. And I'm like, fucking kill nobody he's actually very uh a lot more better talking than i am (laughs) clearly couldn't think of the word it's fucking late okay it's fine i've worked on it (laughs) so a month before the visit barry wrote a a letter to the bird family from prison apologizing i'm so like i get why they do it because they find god or whatever but i hate hate that hate it i i guess i get it it. i hate it yeah, like I can say that because I've had the personal experiences where people apologize to me from prison. I fucking hate it. Yeah. But, like you're only apologizing because you're in prison. Yeah. And I guess I kind of get it because some people might get closure from that, but I don't think I would. I just I feel think like the Bird family did. The Bird family, I think, like yeah. appreciated it. But I I don't think if if I was in that situation, I don't know if I would appreciate it. I think I would just be like, well, okay, but you still did it, and I don't have, like, this person is not in my life anymore because you killed them, you know? Maybe well, I'm said, just a resentful person. But. Well, <laughs> I think it showed a lot because he waited till after the trial was over and he exhausted all of his appeals, so he yeah. did do it when it wasn't going to benefit benefit him, I guess. I mean, it's okay, still yeah, going to benefit true. him because he wants their, you know, forgiveness, whatever. Yeah, but, he wants to be absolved of the guilt. In in the sense of like getting out of prison or getting a lighter sentence, it's not going to benefit him because if he, he's exhausted all of his possibilities. Yeah. So, I get it. I hate it. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, which is why he waited so long. See, they say that it's why he waited so long because he wanted he wanted them to know that he wasn't doing it for a purpose, like he was yeah. doing it genuinely. Yeah, because if he still had appeals and stuff, that could be, like, the letter could be used as, like, character, not witness, but you know know what I mean. Well, that's what his brother says, because his brother, because they're not interviewing Sean because he's in prison, but his brother is like, he wanted to wait until everything was exhausted to reach out. That's why it took forever, because it took forever for him to write a letter to the family, but it was because he was waiting for everything to be exhausted. So I, I get that. Although, to be fair, why was he appealing? <laughs> like, I think, I, I think when you go to prison and it's a life sentence, you have two appeals, and I think you have to use those appeals. Do you if, though? If you know I that you did so. it, yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't think you have to, but I don't, I don't know. Like, I know that you have those as options, but I don't think you have to use them, especially if you know that That's you're guilty. List. 
Google.com. Which appeals, the appeals, I think, could be like to be moved to prisons or something. I don't think it's essentially like a lighter sentence. Maybe, but Do I guess what I know about appeals, it's usually like I, I want my sentence to be overturned okay. because of this technicality or something like that. Kind of like what happened with Bill Cosby, you know, like he got sentenced, but then his sentence was overturned on an appeal because of a technicality, not because he didn't actually do it. Because I always thought the appeals process was like a voluntary process. Mm. No, they automatically have an appeal, but they have to start it on their own. Yeah. But I don't think it essentially does it. I think it means like to and you can appeal to get moved to like a different prison or you can probably appeal to be in solitary confinement i don't think it essentially like i don't think it automatically means like a lesser sentence or to overturn your sentence yeah i could be wrong i'm not a lawyer don't quote me on that (laughs) if you're gonna quote me don't do it on that one okay that's me playing devil's advocate why was he appealing in the first place anyway continue (laughs) well he's exhausted it so it doesn't matter Okay, so on May 11th, 2001, then-Texas Governor Rick Perry signed the James Byrd Hate Crimes Act into law. The law straightens penalties for crimes involving motivation by a victim's race, religion, color, sex, disability, sexual preference, age, or national origin in the state of Texas. This was a bill that previous Governor George Bush... I didn't know George Bush was from fucking Texas either. How did you not know that? Because I don't keep up with George Bush and his life. You don't even need to keep it. Just did you ever hear him talk? No. (laughs) I was in second grade. I was in fifth grade when Obama was elected. Okay. I'm going to keep up with politics. I keep forgetting you're you're a baby. (laughs) I vividly remember it because my grandma was like, who do you want to win for president? I was like, I I don't know. It's a black man probably. Because yeah, he I, was, it was only him or Hillary. Like it was him yeah. and Hillary. So that's who I. And I thought at the time Hillary and uh, Obama were running against each other. And so yeah. I was like, yeah, I don't like her. Well, I guess it makes sense if you were in fifth grade. <laughs> I always forget that you're so young. Because like for me, George Bush was elected when I was in, I think, finishing third grade. So, like, through the majority of, like, my formative years, he was president. So. Yeah, because I only really, this sounds so bad, but I really only, like, vividly know three, the three presidents, which is Obama, Trump, and Biden. I mean, that's that's how that's it so works bad. when you were born in a certain time, so I get I it. I know, I was just like, fucking Texas. But yeah, he, he, his whole family is from Texas, and um, I'm pretty sure both him and his father were governor of the state at some point. I could I be think, wrong about Don't you that. have to be? No. I was about to say, don't you, don't you have, have to be have governor, to be. but yeah, in order to run for president, you just have to be like a certain age, a U.S. citizen, and I think one other thing. But that's you have to be over thirty. A, I do know that. Yeah, I think you have to have um, a college degree. I I don't even think you need to have that. Honestly, I could run for like, president when I'm thirty. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like to be a, an elected. <laughs> To be an elected official, you don't need to be smart. I mean, just look they're at gonna Congress. Like, they're going to be like, Brittany, what party are you running for? The Taylor Swift party. That's what party I'm running for. Everybody gets a fucking pony when I'm elected, bitch. <laughs> Anyways, it's not me ignoring uh, the world problems. Let's, let's get back on topic, I guess. Okay, so <laughs> this is a bill that previous governor, George Bush, had ori- originally opposed and declined to, and then he declined to attend Bird funeral, citing he had a previous commitment. Bush refused to support the bill, stating all crimes are hate crimes. No, sir. 
That's like, I don't see color. Like, that's not how that no, works. I, yeah, I know. But I, I mean, like, I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying. I don't agree with what he's saying, but I get it. Like, it's, all crimes it's are hate crimes. stupid. It like, is stupid. But I, like, I, yeah, sure. I, I guess I get it. But at the same time, like. Because I was watching, it, people, like, an interview and he was arguing, like, well, if a guy kills a woman, then he's going after her, you know, like a guy who hates women and he's murdering women, obviously, it's a hate crime. I'm like, yeah, classifies under hate crime. I mean, yeah, but that's the thing. The Hate Crime Act mentions sex. So, like, yes, if the person is going, that that's a, that's a hate crime. If the person is going after somebody specifically because of their race, that's a hate crime. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> there are specific qualifications for what counts as a hate crime. Mm-hmm. Like, Anyways, so it's like the yeah. Anyways, so that's what he said. Um, so the Bird family worked with Matthew Shepard's family to pass the Matthew Shepard and the James Bird Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act, which is signed into law on October twenty eighth, two thousand eight, by former President Barack Obama. I didn't realize um, James Bird Jr.'s murder was June nineteen ninety eight. Matthew Shepard's murder was October nineteen ninety eight. So they both happened oh, wow, in the same, same year, year. Okay. and it was both like James was race based murder and matthew shepherds was a sexuality based murder so that's why um they were both national cases yeah i I'd, i had heard about matthew shepherd before i've never I, heard I'd, about james yeah i'd never heard about james either so well okay i take that back i heard about james when they mentioned the matthew shepherd and james jr james bird jr's um hate crime act Mm-hmm. But I've never heard, like, the actual... Like, the case information. Yeah, so that's why I wanted to talk about his case. Um, anyways, so... Two of James' sister, Luvon Harris and Betty Boatner, were by Obama's side when he signed this. But following James' death, his family established the James Bird Foundation, which Luvon Harris is actually over. Uh, but it's the James Bird Foundation, or the Bird Foundation for Racial Healing, which conducts diversity workshops, offers scholarships to people of color, and runs an oral history project with more than 2,600 personal stories about racism. Um, in honor of James Bird Jr., Rice University established an interracial communication scholarship the, fir- the Bird family is the second recipient of the Victoria Award. The first was Bob Hope. However, I couldn't find anything like that explains what the Victoria Award was. So if anybody knows, it just told, told me it was a British award. Um, so if anybody knows what it is, please enlighten me. Okay, because I want to know. On January 20th, 1999, so it's like a couple of months after the trial, the people of Jasper celebrated the wrought iron fence that separated the graves of black and white people in Jasper City Cemetery, where James Jr. is buried since 1886. That uh, that fence was torn down. And they, okay, so they weren't actually like separate, still separating graves by race. The fence was just still up, so mm-hmm. they finally tore it down. I just wanted to clear that up in case people were like, oh my god. segregated yeah yeah it's not actually it wasn't still segregated but the city also created a park in his honor at the james bird jr memorial park which i thought that was cool that is really cool. And there is a statue of James Bird Jr. A bench commemorating bird's life was installed next to the county's courthouse in 2018 by the bird foundation for racial healing but bird's sister levon stated the bench had already been moved to a less prominent location i think it was getting vandalized so they wanted to move it to where it wouldn't be vandalized i think they should put it in the park but i'm not yeah the bench placer police so. <laughs> although some hate crime laws were passed in bird's name after his murder luvon still dedicates herself to the fight against racism in the country in her brother's name as long as there's still hate in america we still have a job to do 
a quote from Yvonne Harris. And that's where I'm going to leave off. That is the case of James Beard Jr. It was very sad, but a lot of good things came out of it. And I love when that happens, when especially when a family takes like such a tragic incident and makes a lot of good things, foundations, stuff like that. So anyways, yeah. thanks for coming to the episode. All right. Well, that was a really rough case. I Like you said, I'm glad that good things came out of it, but like shouldn't that. have had to take something like that for that to happen. No. <sighs> Anyways, that was the case. It was the really long one. Thanks for sticking around. <laughs> Whew, that that was rough. Um, I just want to say to any white supremacists that are listening, I hate you. I don't think you white supremacists. <laughs> They're not going to be listening, listening but I, I hate you. Because we're um, female. Yeah. Uh, but it's just like these guys sound like the worst like the worst kind of like losers because it's like what are you accomplishing with your life other than being like garbage men Um, nothing that's why they were killed and then yeah well that's the thing i'm just like what about you makes you think that you're supreme over somebody else like you are like (laughs) it's just gonna like you are like like you don't you're not ambitious or anything like you like what (laughs) i don't understand like what what do you bring to the table here sir like what? What is it that you think, other than audacity? What do you bring to the table here? What do you bring to the table aside <laughs> from your audacity? This is not a funny case, but you know, you know how yeah. we be. You have been here for a season now. Yeah. So it's, just, ugh. I I have a lot of things to say, but I would just go on a rant. So we're not going to do that. So thank you guys so much for listening. Um, this was a really rough case, but hopefully you learned some things because I definitely learned some things. So that was that was. I don't want to say fun because fun's not the right word, but you no, know what I that mean. That was a journey. Yes. It was a journey. It was a journey uh, that we experienced together. So you can find us on social media. We are on Instagram at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. We are on Twitter at Wicked Podcast One. We are on TikTok at Shockingly Wicked. We are on YouTube at Shockingly Wicked Podcast. And we are also on Facebook. Just search up Shockingly Wicked and you can find us. You can also find us on our website, which is shockinglywickedpodcast.com. You can find us on Patreon. We do have a link on the website to our Patreon. So we would appreciate any... Um, any sort of support that you are willing and able and to give. you can see our pictures. Yes, you can see yeah, uh, the, the photo shoot we did. You can see the pictures all up on our website. They are fantastic. Thank you so much. Shout out to Ashley Smith because she did an amazing job. I had a lot of fun with that. Like I'd never done a photo shoot before, so that was really fun. I do them all the time. I just pay I know to you do, do them. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do, but that was that was like my first time, so that was really exciting for me. But yes, shout out to her. Go check out our website. Go check out our Patreon. With our Patreon, you get some exclusive content depending on what tier you're on. All that information is listed on there. You don't have to become a patron, but if you choose to, we appreciate it. Just and- know you're our favorite listeners you're all our favorite listeners but if you're a patreon listener you're our extra favorite yeah it's like it's like how parents are like oh i don't have a favorite child but we all know you do yeah so again thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week bye bye